0: Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's episode of Attack IQ's podcast, Think Bad, Do Good. And it is my great pleasure to host uh, an investor, a leader, and a cybersecurity strategist, Marcus Bartram. Did I say it right that time? Yeah, he gives me the thumbs up. Good, thank you, Marcus, um, who is one of Attack IQ's lead investors, and he comes to us from Telstra Ventures. But Marcus, where are you based today? What's what's the weather like? What's happening up there?
1: Hey, Jonathan. Really great to be here. Uh, I'm in sunny Mill Valley. It feels like it's nice and warm outside. I haven't ventured outside today, but after this, I'm going to go for a walk.
0: Oh, good. Well, hopefully you won't need a walk after today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you marcus for joining us today it's really a pleasure to have you to have you and uh um why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and like where you came from and how you came into this space
1: sure so uh in venture capital in particular uh i was working at telstra which is an australian telecoms company in uh, 2010 working for an executive there who had a vision for how do we drive innovation in a big giant telecommunications company? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was part of a small team that sort of came up with the idea of, you know, how do we attract the attention of these amazing entrepreneurs and founders that are innovating in the world and get them to work with Telstra. Uh, and we kind of landed on two things. What is, you know, what do founders want? They need capital and they want customers they need ex- expertise, and Tolstra can offer them capital and customers. So this sort of idea evolved and twisted and turned and ultimately became Tolstra Ventures. Yep. Uh, we made our first investment in early 2012 and, you know, have sort of gone on to greater and bigger things uh, since then. Um, That's so awesome. yeah, now we're interested in sort of 90 companies um, across a really broad spectrum of, uh, you know, the software, cyber and, and uh, tech industry.
0: Yeah, I know. You, when did you first touch cybersecurity? Was it when you were in London with NSC? Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was in just in the pre in the dot-com boom uh, with a company called NSC NSC Global. Um, we had a practice, we were uh, selling managed services and security services and security consulting services and we were selling like the early versions of Checkpoint Firewall and Net Forensics as a intrusion detection tool, uh, and that's when my first exposure to cyber came from.
0: What was it about venture capital that
1: attracted you to that field? Um, it's kind of the idea of building businesses mm-hmm. and you know, the idea of you know capital as a tool to sort of be in that process mm-hmm. um, so y- years before I worked at Honeywell uh, I was an engineer if uh, I trained as an engineer I went to Honeywell and really enjoyed the role I had there which was helping kind of build a business not really being an engineer mm-hmm. but you know running a small team and trying to build a product and get it sold and you know win customers and respond to tenders and do all these things um and build a marketing program and then you know going to the startup was exactly the same thing it's like how do you kind of survive as a small company in this this sort of crazy environment um and we had you know business all over all over europe and all through the uk Um, Really, really impressive clients and it was, was, you know, generally it was a lot of fun. Um, And so this idea of building a business was the thing that kind of resonated. And then, you know, the finance side of it, I just kind of liked the finance element of it and trying to understand what that meant and how it worked and, you know, what the point of it was.
0: Yeah. So I'm tempted, like, you've now been an investor for X period of time, right? Like, I think at least 15 yeah. years,
1: right? We've, uh, we've had our 10th uh, anniversary from our first investment in, you know, eight weeks ago, four weeks great.
0: ago. Yeah, so what yeah. when you think about lessons for... Um, for for how to make a good investment as a venture capitalist, right? I think that's something our listeners would yeah. definitely love to hear. Like, what are the, some of the things that you look out for when you're deciding when to back a company? What is the stuff that excites you the most?
1: That's a really good question. So I think there's there's a handful of things, and um, and they kind of fall into sort of four categories. The first one's the team. Like, who's the team? Do you do you believe in the vision they're trying to paint? Um, do they have, do you kind of trust them to want to give them literally millions of dollars of money? And do you think they can execute on the vision? And so that's sort of the first part of that. And no team is ever complete when you meet them. There's always, you know, they're, they're people. So, you know, what makes them tick? Um, can, they, can they scale? Have they done what you're asking them to do before? Um, Do they have a sense of how to do what it is they're trying to do? Um, And then it's then the market and which market are they in? And, you know, for my sins, I really like the cybersecurity market, which is a huge, (laughs) vibrant market Mm -hmm. um, with, with lots of opportunity. And so in that context, it's kind of like What's their sort of unique view on that, and why are they different to the other thousands of cybersecurity startups that are in the market today? Mm-hmm. And you know, what gives them, you know, they are, are they solving a big problem, or are they solving for a feature uh, in yeah. cybersecurity? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, where we invest, most of our companies have a product, like ninety-nine percent of them have a product. So let's learn about the product and what does it do and how does it work and what problem does it solve? Mm -hmm. And it kind of, all those things tie together. Um, And then the fourth part is sort of the financial results and what are the trailing sort of metrics of all the work that goes on. Mm -hmm. And so those four ingredients mixed together um, are kind of what make the basis of what I think is a a good investment. Mm -hmm. And And the financial element is also then from an investment point of view the valuation like we've seen years of now very very high valuations so for for us to do our job and return money to our partners we need to believe we can invest at this price help build the company and support the entrepreneur to build the company and then sell our shares at a price that delivers a great result for our our partners that's really cool
0: now, um, having never founded anything, you know, my background's in like, national security policy, I worry about the people who are like, I don't worry about them, I'm, I don't understand what their life is like when they, when they have like the bare bones idea, um, they want to build something. Now if they've done this before, then they, have, they know previous investors or maybe they made a lot of money and so they have the capital to themselves invest in their product. Mm-hmm. But what about for people that are just like, I want to build this app today. Is that yeah. when like angel investors come in? Is that, are those the people for yeah. them to call? Are they supposed to find angel investors to get them to help them yeah, get their just, first yeah. customer?
1: I mean, there's a sort of a, 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 a most people who have this have an idea and understand a problem that they want to solve. Um, the first kind of money they try to find is folks that they know, or they use their own money, or you know maybe they did have a successful exit before and they can kind of bootstrap it. Um, But all of those first checks, whether it's an institutional fund, or it's their own money, or their friends and family, are sort of those angel and sort of seed or pre-seed investors. Then as they start to write code and create a product, they'll hit milestones that then attract the next level of investor or a seed investor, and so on and so forth. So as the company grows and the product matures, and they find design partners and customers, there's different levels of appetite for investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a, an angel investor or a seed investor, you're writing smaller checks, you have know, 10, 25, $50,000 checks, um, but there's a really high risk that it's, you won't get your money back. Sure. But if, a, if the company grows and scales that Small investment can become very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, we have less appetite for failure, so we invest a little bit later in the company's growth profile. Mm-hmm. So we invest at that sort of series A and series B where they have customers and they have a product and they're generating revenue. So the risk of them failing is still high, but it's not as high as when they're first sitting around a card table in a restaurant. And drawing out the design on a, on a paper napkin. This is
0: really instructive and cool. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Um, I realized that I've had oh, these dude. questions knocking around my head for, for months, if not years, as I've thought about startups. Um, I've, look, I've interacted with investors before, um, and I think probably I've been too ashamed to ask some of these questions. And I also <laughs> wanted to give this to, for other people like me who are out there listening, who think, what does it actually mean to be a venture capitalist? Like, how do you do this? Like, what are you looking for? So. I appreciate you yeah. walking us through that. Um happy with um, Yeah. So really what appreciate. have you had moments where like you've met like a small team and you've thought, This team is so good, I believe in them so much. I think the rest of their business plan is kind of crap. They don't have anything to go on, but I believe in them so much I just want to give them like a positive endorsement and tell them to come back in X and Y months, or maybe that happens more at the seed stage?
1: Always. Always. Like, really? Yeah, there's lo- loads of people that are like technically and commercially brilliant creating new companies and thinking up new and solving new ideas and I love to meet those people at that stage mm-hmm. because we're great, great investors and we want to invest when we when we know these people because like I said, team is a big part of this mm-hmm. and team, team is people so you got to get to know the people and while they're forming their idea, if we really love the idea and they don't quite fit our financial profile, what can we do to help them kind of succeed with the idea? And you know, maybe that gives us a, um, a preferential right to invest because they they know us and they like us. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have to, you're working together for the next, you know, five to 10 years, which is, weekly monthly quarterly daily phone calls and conversations so you spend you, do, you spend a lot of time together i mean that,
0: this must be like that must be some of the most exciting parts of the job to just be out there sensing ideas sensing technologies meeting people interacting with the community and like and then getting the chance to build partnerships with people you really like
1: Totally. It's also the most frustrating because sometimes you don't win that. You don't win the date. You don't. You, can, you don't. You don't get married, and you see these guys go and build these amazing companies, and you kind of miss the miss the opportunity. But yeah, it is. It's the best. It's the. It's the. Mo- it's not the. Mo- it's just one of the parts of the job, and it's actually really fun. I actually really like the part after you invest and you kind of help these companies build their businesses. The most fun is when they're super successful and everyone you know makes money and everyone goes on to build a bigger business. And you've done years and years of hard work to get there. That's really rewarding.
0: Yeah, of course, to see the, from the yeah. idea to, to the exit, yeah. um, which is a good opportunity for us to pivot to our, I think the next line of questions that I, I wanted to ask you about, which is, yep. what do you see in cybersecurity and security overall these days that excites you? What are some of the trends where you say I want to learn more about that, and I want to meet people doing that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, totally. I think there's yeah, cybersecurity is one of these really interesting industries that kind of builds on shifts in tech changes and tech trends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it builds on changes in how criminals behave and the techniques they use to commit crime. Because you know, cyber cybersecurity is preventing crime. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about the changes in how technology and technology infrastructure and architecture is changing. And that, that's an ongoing kind of process. And we're, lit- we're literally sitting and talking about what do we think the next shift in IT architecture is going to be. And then I think out of that then spawns where, does, where do the next really big cybersecurity companies come from. And like here and now today, I think there's a bunch of really interesting problems around data security. I think there's interesting problems around identity and identity is still you know, a big topic of conversation It's not solved. Um, I think organizations are moving and there's already really successful companies some of these spaces like still going through this digitization of their applications and user experience and yeah, that's creating opportunities for kind of cloud um, security companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the emergence, well, the emergence, but the, the crypto world is just rife with opportunity for security companies. Mm-hmm. Um, like it yeah. seems to be so easy to commit fraud. There, there, there just seems to be lots and lots of opportunity there. So uh, spending a lot of time looking at companies that are helping enterprises predict um, threats that are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I know a
0: company that does something like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like that, but it's more like as criminals um, set up a effectively a project to commit ransomware, they mm-hmm. build a bunch of infrastructure. And there's companies that are seeing all the early signals of that infrastructure being created. Huh. And they can tell that to customers and they, that's sort of important information for enterprises. And then that allows them to put defenses in place ahead of an attack. So it's sort of a preemptive type work. Um, like I said, I still think identity, there's lots of things to solve around identity. We sort of recently invested in a company called Strata Identity. Which is solving some really interesting problems in um, that market, but I do think there's more to do there. Um,
0: yeah. What are your thoughts on zero trust? If you have if you have any strong opinions, I'd love to hear them.
1: I think it's the right. Uh, I think it's really hard to implement architecturally, um, for, but I think conceptually it's it's a it's the right way to think about how you build security, um, which is. You kind of don't, you, you have to validate to get access. You don't trust anybody. Um, so I think that makes conceptually really good sense is then how, how do you implement that in your organization, which is really tough. And I, the, other thing, the other thing I would say in security, like there's like really basic operational challenges that are still to be solved. Like, talk to any number of CISOs and they're wrestling with basic problems like Patching and the block and tackling of their industry, and keep, keeping talent and you know a, like application coding and improving security and the the actual core of an application being written. I think all these are other areas that are really fascinating, and still, you know still good companies to be to be built there.
0: You know, as um as somebody who came to the technology sector from the national security community. And now this is my um, coming up on my fourth year in working in technology. So I'm like still relatively new to it. Um, there's a part of me that says like, look, there are cybersecurity solutions out there that I know work pretty well. And I see a breach and I'm like, well, if only they'd had that solution, which they don't, mm-hmm. they'd be in a much better position. Right. But then like what you're actually saying, on the other hand, is um, the internet and the way the technology grows introduces consistent operational problems, some of which simply haven't been yep. solved, right? Yep. Like there are some great solutions that are out there, but then there's others that are just like, this problem won't go away. Uh, yep. Like the sheer scope of vulnerability management, like how many, how what to do and how to solve it. I imagine I, I haven't seen, yet seen a good solution for how to like automatically prioritize and patch. I haven't seen something that would do that. No, no
1: exactly and it's not going away it's only getting harder and more complex and more broad and new technology and changes to architecture just add to the complexity of it yeah you know and then, you know part of it is you've got people in the middle of this as well and people are people they make mistakes stuff isn't done stuff's not configured manual processes don't work there's just an endless opportunity for errors to be identified and fixed and tools to help solve for them.
0: Yep. The one that I, I would love to talk more about sometime with you, we're running out of time, but this idea of sensing when criminals, criminals are building ransomware infrastructure, that hmm. is, seems like really, really, really cool. Like if you could interpret it through behaviors on the internet and then being yeah. like, this is the shape of this amorphous thing that's soon going to become very clear. Um, It sounds like you have a particular company in mind that does that, but that seems really neat. I don't know how much more you can talk about it.
1: Yeah, there's a a few companies that are coming at the same problem in different ways, but it's it's literally what it is. It's like, what are the building blocks when you're going to launch an attack? And can you identify the marshalling of those resources in such a way that you can get enough signal that you can tell a customer that, there's a potential issue and the further you can get in front of that and the more um, uh, accurate more accurate if you can deliver that signal more accurately then the value to the customer is really high
0: that's Um, very i mean the analogy is like the analogy is like we're watching troop movements in europe in advance of an invasion and we know the troops are going to happen like it's here it's there and then it you know or or whatever it may be like and this is why they why uh the russians in the united states hid their hid their nuclear missiles on submarines right like hide them so you can't see them
1: um, you Can't see You, them you them don't yep. say again yeah if you can't see them what are you going to do you, yeah you know, it, it's a surprise so it just takes out the element of surprise
0: i would i love that i love the idea of being able to see ransomware attacks forming hmm. Through the resource-based analysis, I'd love to learn more about it. Yeah, um, I should ask because you know you're one of our investors. What was it that attracted you to breach and attack simulation? Um, obviously, yeah. you're not going to say anything extraordinary. That's not extraordinary. So, <laughs> <Go
1: ahead. laughs> pressures on. <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: yeah, yeah. But I was curious. Like, what, like, what, yeah, what, what I mean. were some of the tips in your head that thought, you know, what this is really neat. I, I, I want to invest in this.
1: Yeah, totally. So. Um, I'll go back to the things we talked about. So the team, we met the team and I really love that. Love the founders um, mm-hmm. and thought the vision of what they're trying to do is really interesting. And in terms of the kind of the product and the market opportunity kind of blended together, if you like, um, we'd invested in a bunch of what I call you know cybersecurity kind of tools at this point who are trying to find bad guys, detect threats, provide intelligence, whatever it's going to be. And... Um, but or, Attack IQ are coming at the cybersecurity market like totally orthogonal to that, and saying, you've got all these tools. How do you improve the efficacy of everything you've already purchased? How do you validate, um, you, when you put these tools in that they're still doing the same job you need them to do, like one day, one week, six months, one year later. And you know and so I think that's a really that's a really unique sort of point of view um, to be able to test for that and then give that to a customer and say here's all the weaknesses in your defenses go and do these three things and you will solve some of these problems and do it from the point of view of an attacker and them trying to hack into your system I think is, yeah, you know, it's just, there's a, there's a concept in sort of engineering of a control system. And, yeah, you know, I think the, in fullness, the vision for this is the control system identifies when the control goes out of um, limit, sends an alert, the engineer goes and adjusts the control and it happens in you know, somewhat real time. And that sort of idea doesn't exist in security today. And if you can build that, you know that's a really big, and important, and interesting company in that market. Because yeah. there's no CISO I've met yet who has a system that gives them that level of um, efficacy on their security controls. Yeah. So that that was the uh, that was the vision, which I I love. Love the team. Love the team today. Um, I think the vision is still super valid. And, you know, the market is enormous. Yep.
0: And, yep, exactly. I remember when I, when I first met AttackIQ, um, the idea was, it, A, it was completely different from all the other companies that I'd looked at before, which was yeah. really important to me having been doing cybersecurity for now forever, 12 years, right, off and on. I wanted something totally different that solved a real problem, and I share. I sh- it's really heartening to hear what you said because that—that's the same kind of vision that I had for why I joined. And then the team was really yeah. it. Like right off the bat, I had I trusted um, my bosses. Um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: that's super, super heartening super to hear. Team. Yeah, yeah, great team. Really mission driven, kind of very focused on the outcome and focused on the, on the vision, which is which is outstanding.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Marcus uh it's been such a pleasure having you today i think um for anyone listening for particularly for potential founders um you can get a a feel for marcus bartram here he's like diligent trustworthy hardworking and like obviously puts his heart into it so uh we're very lucky to have you as a as an investor and a partner um i've learned a lot from our two conversations and i'm looking forward to more um but thank you very much for coming on today. I think this will be really helpful for anyone, particularly interested in learning about what it means to be a venture capitalist working in the cybersecurity industry. Um, I'm sure they'll they'll find this really interesting. Do you have any parting thoughts before we depart,
1: uh, Jonathan? It's been a real pleasure to chat to you, and I've really enjoyed enjoyed the conversation. Um, my only parting thought, we're happy to talk to anyone about a founding, who's founding a company and, you know, wants to talk to somebody who might be interested in investing downstream. But yeah, really, and really love the chat. And really Great. nice to, to what you can talk to you.
0: Yeah. And so you can find Marcus um, on LinkedIn, or you can look up Telstra Ventures and find his bio uh, on the website. We'll put those in the show notes for listeners out there. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. Um, Marcus, one time, one thing we may ask you next time because I've liked the, I asked uh, Rob Hornbuckle this last time, which is who his favorite who his heroes are, and I think for next time I'm going to ask you that question too. I might have to. All right, to you're on. i it.
1: Oh, come on, notice. sounds good.
0: <laughs> All right, be well, everybody. Thanks again.